back to the VCE OES podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. We are at our final podcast for Area of Study 1, looking at dot point six, the requirements for safe participation in outdoor experiences. And boy, oh boy, where are we? This could go for hours if we really wanted to go into everything. Probably not going to go into quite that much detail, but we will discuss a few of those real key elements of being safe in the outdoors. Where do we start? What are those real important things to tick off and cover? Okay, so we're keen, we're G'd up, we're ready to get out and about and participate in some form of outdoor activity, and we just need to start somewhere. We need to actually get the ball rolling here. So we've had an idea, we're going to go off on a particular trip, what to next? The real key message here is that prior preparation is going to prevent poor performance. Now you can put an extra few P's in there if you want, that's up to you. But if you think about things beforehand, if you apply some common sense and just some real process-driven thinking through the preparation for an event, then you're going to minimise the risks that you encounter or you're going to minimise the chance of something going wrong. It's that notion of foreseeability. Can I predict that something might happen? How have I planned for it? How have I thought about it? Do I have the gear that I need? All those different elements that might come into play. So obviously the activity that you plan has to match the people who are there. And then you've got to go, okay, well, cool, that's good. I can, you know, I can get to this location. I've got these cool people with me and that's all good. Do I have this stuff that I need to be able to do it? All of those things kind of encompass those main areas that we're going to look at. So you're going to look at people. That could potentially be an area for risk. You're going to do some planning and preparation there. You're going to look at the place. So you're going to consider the environment, the weather, the terrain, uh, the dangers that are inherent to that area, the prevailing conditions, the forecast, all sorts of different things about that particular place. And then you are going to consider equipment and gear. Do you have the things that you need? Are you skilled in using them? And are you actually aware of how to go about using them in a different setting? So when you come to that planning Let's assume we're looking at our hike. You're going, okay, well, where are we going? What do we need to consider on there? And if you think about the conversations we've had in class, either with myself or with Mr. Bowles, talking about uh, where we're heading, then we made a decision to alter our route based upon risk. So we looked at the dangers of ascending or descending a certain spur in the range, and we thought, okay, well, we're going to actually move ascend a safer, descend a safer route that uh, ensures safety for everyone. Now, we know that that, could be for a whole bunch of reasons that there's dangers there. The time of year, if it's warm, if it's hot, people are going to be fatigued, they're maybe not concentrating as well. The steepness, if you fall from it, there's obviously a bigger risk of injuring yourself. The remoteness, how difficult is it to get in help? All those things can start getting considered. You have to look at your route and go, okay, well, is it actually suitable for the people who are going with me? Is it going to work? Now, that also then leads to time. How long is it going to take me out on trip? Do I know where I'm going? Have I been able to follow where I'm going? How long is it going to take me to get from point A to point B? might look like it's a short distance on a map. Maybe we've only gone across one or two grid squares. Haven't gone far at all. That's only, you know, one or two kilometres. But potentially in that one or two kilometres, there could have been six, seven, eight, nine hundred metres of vertical gain. And each time you're doing that, you're looking at adding time and time and time on how long your journey takes. You've got to sort of think a bit. 
think of it, um, you know, a guide that often gets used is that for every um, about 600 metres that you're going up, you've got to add an hour to get that done. So regardless of how far you're going across, if you're going up sort of in steep terrain, you've got to allow an hour for that. If it's nice and flat, you, you're allowing about an hour for every 5Ks. That's obviously dependent on the people that you're with, the level of experience, the amount of stuff they're carrying, their level of fitness, whether there's any prevailing medical conditions, all that sort of thing. That kind of ties in nicely with the people aspect because you've got to know the people who are with you. If you don't, then that prevents some or pre- presents some real issues and concerns. And I'll talk about those a little bit later on. So knowing where you're heading, that first step, that planning, that preparation, destination, do you know it? Is it suitable? What risks exist there? Checking out weather, checking out some of those real environmental patterns, those things that you need to know about it. If you know that going to a certain place, you're guaranteed rain. So for instance, if we were heading to the Grampians, I'd be saying pack your rain jacket and it's an absolute must because if you're heading to the Grampians, you are very, very likely to get rained on at some point in time. You've got to sort of tick off some of those things in terms of local, you know, it might be described as local knowledge, but it's not necessarily just for locals. It's local to the area knowledge. So you've got to know all of those sorts of things about the destination and the environment there. I just started talking about people, and they're obviously the next thing that might present a risk. So that doesn't mean that we're heading out and about with people who are necessarily dangerous to us, but we need to know about them so that it doesn't become a danger either to them or to someone else. That's why schools ultimately collect medical records. We need to know, is this person asthmatic? What's their trigger? Oh, their trigger's exercise. Cool. Well, I'm about to walk them straight up a massive mountain, so I probably need to know a little bit about them and about how to manage them. If someone's allergic to certain foods or certain things there, then obviously that's an element that you know we need to be able to know, we need to be able to manage, we need to be able to ensure that we've got the right medications and that we can treat and look after that person. Good planning would also dictate that we would be sharing with the group if there was someone who maybe had some severe allergies or had particular conditions that needed to be communicated with others so that there were more than just one set of eyes on that person. It could also be that we would be able to mitigate risk or minimise risk by controlling the foods that come in and out of the group so as not to expose the person to those particular allergens. So that person, their conditions may potentially be a risk to them. How does that then become a risk to others? if we were to be stuck somewhere where maybe campsites aren't necessarily a safe place to be set up then that we don't want to separate a group that would be a massive risk for us so we wouldn't be doing that but we'd be keeping everyone together but everyone's comfort everyone's safety could then be potentially compromised based on where that person might go down or might have uh, might have an issue so it is something that we don't want to pose as a risk to someone else that also then goes to the preparation and the planning of that person and the equipment that they have. Do they have the right stuff? Is this person's hypothermic because they haven't packed anything to keep themselves warm? Well, that's then a risk for the rest of the group because we're all stuck somewhere dealing with this one person's hypothermia and we're exposing ourselves to those same things. If they've got hypothermia, it's because they were able to get wet and cold or just cold in general. Um, we don't want other people being exposed to that sort of situation as well. Equipment's always critical in the outdoors you've got to have the right stuff with you and it's part of your planning and your preparation really so you know a lot of these headings really interplay with one another and really sort of connect to one another if you've got the right equipment you're bound to be safer on the proviso that you know how to use it so pre our trip two real key things that we've made sure people know how to do we've made sure they know how to set up the tents that they're going to sleep in so that we can guarantee they'll be dry and safe at night time 
that's obviously a really important thing to be able to have shelter. That's key. We've also trained people in using what's potentially the most dangerous piece of equipment for us in a transier stove. And you might think, mate, that's pretty easy to use, but the danger exists there in the capacity to burn yourself or to get it wrong. Now, they use methylated spirits. It's not explosive, so it's quite a safe stove to use, but there is still a risk of harm and a risk of damage to someone if they don't use it properly. Hence the training sessions that we have at school where we practice using those. Other aspects of gear use can be trained in the field and are on the go. So things like fitting packs, that's something that experience, you know, we can sort of run sessions beforehand, but till your pack is fully loaded with what you've got on the trip and we can adjust it there with you and we can then sort of teach you how to be adjusting and how to be fitting it for yourself so that you're maintaining your comfort and your therefore safety throughout that trip. Um, that's an element of, of managing equipment that can be done on trip as well. So it's not just something that happens beforehand, it can happen on the trip at the same time. We obviously make sure and run pretty regular checks through our gear. Running a school program, we're sort of one of the harder or heavier users of equipment um, in the outdoors, which is why you can sort of see that we've got kind of some of the industrial strength and sort of high quality gear that we use with the schools because we know we want it to work, we want it to last, we want it to be safe for our students. So our tents, our packs, our rainwear, uh, when it comes to rock climbing, all of that gear gets maintained regularly to ensure the safety of the participants who are using it. And that's part of managing equipment and part of managing a program. If you're doing that in your personal life, then obviously it's a pretty good idea to manage your own equipment, manage your own things to ensure that you're going to be safe when you get out and about and participate in things in the outdoors as well. So all of these things we've discussed so far really look at preparing ourselves or our group and managing the safety of those people who are there. The other big thing, you know, we did talk about the environment and how we might maybe be preparing ourselves for the certain risks that we're exposed to in that environment. But who's preparing the environment for the risk that we pose to it? And you might think, hang on, that's a weird way to look at things. But what are we actually doing to stop what we do from damaging the environment? Most of you may have sort of recognised or put one and two together there and gone, oh, well, that's where we think about our minimal impact strategies. Take only photos, leave only footprints. How do we have the absolute smallest impact on an environment that we possibly can? So we want to be able to have some experience in the outdoors without damaging the outdoors. So essentially, we've got to leave what we find. We've got to make sure we're treading softly, that we're treading lightly, that we are making sure that we're not leaving anything behind when we're there. So, you know, the old saying is sort of pack in, pack out, taking our rubbish with us. And if you're smart, then you sort of relate that back to planning and planning minimal amounts of rubbish so you're not having to carry out too much. You know, these things do overlap, like I've said a few times over now. But really making sure that if we're going there to enjoy an environment, that everything that we do ensures that someone else can come back and enjoy it as well. If uh, different groups that you go out with, sometimes the outward bound groups, the OEG groups or different outdoor ed classes will do things if they're not necessarily camping in official campsites, so if they're in non-designated campsites, once they've camped there, they'll actually do a little bit of what they call regeneration of the area and that sort of involves scattering bark or making sure there's no you know, real divots in the soil or any evidence that they've necessarily been in an area and trying to cover that up and get rid of it so that it's really not evident. Um, Groups will often look to minimise campfire use, you know, and although that can be a really positive thing in an outdoor environment, if you're in a national park and you haven't carried in your timber, you can't take that timber and then burn it. Like, you're not actually allowed to do that. So it's one of those things that you have to be very 
mindful of and very cautious of when you are out and about in different places. You've got to make sure that the environment that you're using, you're protecting that as well. So there's an element of preparation that sees you plan to protect yourself, but you also need to protect the environment that you're going into as well. The last aspect that I'm really going to touch on here involves an understanding or an awareness that things can potentially go wrong. And then, what do we do in that moment? So this is where you consider sort of your procedural elements. So if we were out and about, and someone was really significantly injured, what would we do? How would we plan to manage that situation? That's where we then consider things like first aid training, how you manage um, a, a situation with someone, what are the evacuation routes, how easy is it to actually get access to that person, are we reliant on emergency services, can we manage it ourselves? There's a whole bunch of different things there that we potentially consider. We also have to have plans and an awareness and a thinking and go, okay, well, what would we do if we encountered fire or snow or um, flooding or other natural disasters that potentially could spring up that maybe we don't have any control over? How would we manage if our gear failed on us? You know, what if we didn't have any fuel left? How would we cook? Or would we be eating cold meals? You have to sort of have an awareness and a thinking about all those sorts of things that goes into your planning and your preparation before you go out and about into the outdoors. So that pretty much wraps it up for this one. And I guess the, the big message out of all this is that while the spontaneous, hey, let's jump in the car, let's get away this weekend, let's boot off and do something fun in the outdoors, has a real great appeal to it and sounds you know, really idyllic and quite amazing. Planning, preparation is absolutely key to ensure the safety of everyone you're with and the safety of yourself. So that's really key. And it comes down to common sense. Would I put myself in a situation where I knew I was at risk? Would I put someone else there? Do I do an activity that I've got no experience in? Or do I pick something where I have some sort of an idea? I can still get a level of challenge and a level of thrill and a level of excitement out of it, but maybe it's not what I'd normally go out and about and do. So you do have to put some considerations in there. And if you're deciding, yep, I am going to go out and do it, then what do I know about the area? How well prepared am I to visit that area? Do I have the gear? Do I have the know-how? Do I have all the planning in place to ensure a really safe trip? Very good. That pretty much wraps it up. Thanks for listening again, guys, and we'll talk to you again soon.